What's up, everyone? It's time for another episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Georgia Southern goes head-to-head with East Division frontrunner Georgia State tonight in Statesboro with the eyes of the nation on this matchup. On today's episode, we'll talk about Georgia State's impressive run this year. We're going to hit on some of the keys for Georgia Southern in this game, and we'll make our predictions for tonight's showdown. We're excited to continue our Midweek Mania series. We'll hope you enjoy it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. Midweek Mania, Georgia Southern versus Georgia State, the return of modern-day hate, and I still believe that's probably the best rivalry name or amongst the best rivalry names in all of college football. This game's going to be on ESPN2 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central this evening. Great broadcast team, Courtney Lyle, former Georgia quarterback Hudson Mason, also Taylor Davis down on the sidelines. Caden, let's start by kind of setting this up with just some big storylines for both teams. I want to start with Georgia Southern. It'll be two years ago next week that Clay Helton was hired uh, at Georgia Southern. He and his staff, they've implemented a new offense. It led to six wins in year one. They can match that total with a win tonight. They've got a real shot to be in back-to-back bowl games this year. Plus, Caden, they're in the thick of the Sunbelt title conversation this year. What does your report card kind of look like over the last two years uh, for Clay Helton and his staff? Oh, man, no, you got to give Coach Helton an A, maybe an A-minus if you want to be a little picky. I mean, he inherited this team when they were 3-9 and nine before his arrival, and he put them straight into a bowl game, and now they're one win tonight away from doing so again with five wins already on the season. So the winning is one thing. Obviously, the results are what you like to see, and those are a positive sign of a team being able to instantly improve like that is very difficult. So the fact that they were able to do that is huge. But I just think the overall culture elevates the report guard grade, I think, to another level. It all starts with Jared Banco, the athletic director, who we know is a friend of the podcast we've talked to. He's done an amazing job just reestablishing the culture, cleaning some things up over there, really accommodating to the fans and making the game day experience there. But more specifically, when you look at Coach Helton, I think this offensive culture he's built is just a huge key for this program's success, not just now, but down the line. I mean, he brings in Brian Ellis, who's a like-minded guy like him who wanted to have that air raid style of offense. The only thing worse than being a three-win team is being a three-win team that runs a triple option offense that's super boring. So even if this team wouldn't have been great in their first season under Coach Heldon, at least they were automatically more exciting to watch. They were automatically going to have more excitement around the program and more people in the stadium to support this team. And now fans regularly have something to look forward to. With this style of offense, them throwing the ball around, they're going to have a chance to win every game they played in. They won a lot of them last year. They've already gone off to a great start this year. And I think Along with that style of play comes a lot of pros when you look at just today's game of football. We've seen the quarterback allure in the transfer portal back-to-back seasons. They've gotten a gunslinger to come in and want to play in this offense, be successful. We're going to see the same down the line with receivers and other skill positions who are going to want to come and play for this team. I think when you think about the state of Georgia and growing up here, this team almost sounds like the opposite of Georgia Tech back in the day. It was like, who wants to go play a triple option style? If you're in the state of Georgia, you want to go play somewhere else where it's more exciting. Now, This is kind of one of the most exciting places to play in the entire state. I think a lot of that has to do with their personnel. I think they're going to continue to keep doing that. And the fact that they were able to just have their personnel from a triple option style and be able to translate it so seamlessly in their first season, now they're continuing to build on that moving forward. I think not only right now does this team have a great grade, I think going forward, they're going to have a great grade. I love what I saw from J.C. French at times this year getting used as well. So I think definitely give Georgia Southern an A, maybe an A minus if you're picky, but going forward, I think they're going to be able to maintain a passing grade for quite some time under Coach Helton. 
Okay, and the answer to your question uh, about who wanted to go to Georgia Tech and play in that, uh, another friend of the podcast, Roddy Jones, obviously was uh, a legend there at Georgia Tech. Okay, and let's talk Georgia State. Uh, they have now proven that 2021 was, or 2022 rather, was a bit of an aberration. Uh, they've now been eligible for bowl games in four of the last five seasons. They have been the biggest surprise in the Sun Belt this year, I'll say it. Not many people had them going six and one through seven games. Caden, what's led to Georgia State's rise this year? I think it's a combination of experience and culture. We've talked about in the offseason, the hiring of Mike Siriano, their strength coach, who it sounds like gave this team from their players' perspective the hardest offseason they've had in quite some time. I've been through that program. It'll make a man out of you. It's not the most fun program by any means. I do not have a ton of fun memories on the track, on the stadium, in the weight room by any means. But building that callus in the offseason and building that different level of physical and mental toughness gives you a different edge. And I think this team quite simply just lacked an edge last year. When you saw them in tight games last year, they weren't able to pull it off. They got off to that really slow start in the season. And I think with that, they just wanted to refresh. They wanted to reset and they were able to do that this year. And I think now they have different expectations knowing that they're built a little bit differently. Now we talked about it with Darren Granger. They don't come into games expecting to get a win handed to them. They go now to take it. They walk with a different swagger different confidence to them. And I think when you look at them on the sidelines, you watch their head coach bringing the energy, bringing the electricity, bringing the intensity. And I think that's why you've seen them be so successful, even on the road this year, showing up in games, being able to throw the first punch in those games and ride out the rest of those games. But then it also comes down to the experience. You talk about some of the big losses that we talked about the entire offseason. Use both of your running backs in a Tucker Gregg and a Jam Williams. You lose Antavius Lane and Quavian White in the secondary, which are huge losses. Jamari Thrash the transfer portal. But this team was still able to reload with experience in a lot of different places. Henry Bryant is the only underclassman on this team's defense. There's nothing but seniors, redshirt seniors, redshirt juniors all over the place. And on defense, they only have two underclassmen offensive linemen. That's the only position they have underclassmen. They're playing great, by the way. So I think when you culminate the offseason they have, the new swagger, energy, and intensity they have with the experience they have, getting some guys in the portal even as well to add on to that experience, it all culminates to the season you have now. They had the opportunity there for them, and they've clearly embarked on it with this hot start they have. Now they're the first team bowl eligible in the entire conference. Yeah, Kane, it has been impressive just to see what they have done. We heard whispers that this was going to be a good Georgia State team in the offseason. They have delivered. I wanted to mention, too, you mentioned Darren Granger. If you're listening to this episode, you want to hear that interview with Darren Granger, go back, listen to episode 132. We sat down and talked with Darren Granger about his career and particularly Georgia State season. Definitely worth a listen if you're a Georgia State fan. Okay, let's talk postseason picture. Georgia State became the first Sunbelt team to earn bowl eligibility this year. Georgia Southern could reach that same plateau with a win in this matchup tonight. Both teams have just one loss in Sunbelt play this year. Caden, today it's October 26th. Who do you think is better positioned to play for a Sunbelt title come the first Saturday in December? Yeah, this is a tough one. I think when you look at the personnel and the balance on both sides of the ball that Georgia State has, you could easily go with them and pick them. But I think when I look at the remainder of the rest of the schedules for both of these teams and really look at the matchups they have, I think I lean a little bit, a tiny bit towards Georgia Southern. I think they have a less favorable schedule. If you look at home and away games, they have to go on the road against Texas State, on the road against Marshall, and on the road against App State. But they've proven both last year and this year that their offense does travel well. I think they're built for a shootout against Texas State. They played well. They didn't play well against Marshall last year and probably look to get some revenge in that game. And I think they proved last year that they can be App State in the style of play and a new style of play as opposed to having to do it in a kind of more difficult triple option attack 
in the past. So I think when you look at the schedule of Georgia Southern, I think they're a little bit more well-positioned to be successful with their last four games. Because if you look at Georgia State, after this game, they have to play James Madison, which is tough. Then they have to play a Georgia, or an App State team who they have not beat in their school history. I know it's not a very long school history, but they have not beat App State ever. And then they have to go on the road for a non-conference game against LSU before playing Old Dominion. So I think between the James Madison game and LSU, those teams are going to be those teams are going to beat up this team a little bit. I think they're coming off of a bye week. We've seen some great success for this team, but in November, playing some physical football, how are they going to hold up against those two squads and how is that going to relate to those other two games they have in that month is going to be a big question mark. And I think one that's a little bit more of a question mark compared to the rest of Georgia Southern schedule. But as we mentioned in the past, because of James Madison's standing in the postseason, this conference, this side of the conference, the East particularly, all comes down to who beats who. So at the end of the day, whoever wins this head-to-head matchup is going to be best poised going forward this season because the other team is just going to have to hope that they lose some to some other teams knowing that they have that head-to-head against their in-state rival kind of hanging over them. Kane, you've said it once. Uh, I'm sure you'll say it again before the end of the season. It feels like a giant game of tag in the Sunbelt East right now. Teams hoping that others lose, hoping they win themselves. Definitely been uh, fascinating to watch and it's going to get a lot more fun as we go down the stretch of the season. Well, Caden, let's talk about a wide receiver matchup in this, and this is excellent. You've got Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess for Georgia Southern. You've got Robert Lewis and Talik Williams for Georgia State. Caden, four of the top 10 wide receivers in the Sun Belt this year are playing in this game. They've combined for 15 total touchdown grabs. I wanted to start, let's just talk Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess real quick. These have been two of the best wide receivers in the Sun Belt over the last two seasons together. They've accounted for 145 catches, just over 1,600 yards, and 10 touchdowns a year ago. They've already combined for over 1,000 yards this year and seven touchdown grabs. Ken, what makes this duo so dynamic? Oh, so much, no. They're one of my favorites to watch in the conference by far. And you have to give them, again, just we've talked about in the past, but a giant shout out for showing up to Georgia Southern, expecting to be a part of an option offense, and then turning around and getting thrown into an air raid system and thriving in it. I think. When you look at these two guys, they're always in the right place in the right time within this scheme, which I think is one of the biggest underrated keys to their success this year. They learned very fast last year how to get up to speed on this offensive scheme that the attention to detail is extremely important. And they've now continued to build on that knowledge. And now they're two really key important parts to this well-oiled machine that is this offense. I mean, I think Davis Brin could go out there and have his eyes closed and just throw the ball and knows where, the, knows where these guys are supposed to be and can guarantee they're going to be there. I think when you look at Caleb, he had a fantastic season last year, and I think it's, it looks like he's improved on that even more this year. He's been absolutely electric, especially after the catch. I think when you look at him this season, I think that's where he's taken the biggest jump is when he has the ball in his hands now. He's really been able to break tackles and show off that speed and make some big-time plays. Even if he's catching the ball near the line of scrimmage in the screen game, you know that he has the wheels to take it to the house, and he's been doing that a lot more than not this year. And I think Derwin's kind of the perfect compliment to him. This guy's only 5'11", 190, but he plays so much bigger and is one of the best guys in the conference when it comes to contested catches. I think when it comes to jump balls, you think of guys like him, Tyrone Howell at ULM, Dalton Stroman at App State. Those are some of the guys that are proficient and have shown that in the red zone, this is a guy we can throw a fade ball to and be, be able to rely on. But Derwin doesn't even have the size of those guys. He just has really reliable hands. He's great at his body position and contorting himself in the air and making those adjustments. And he has super reliable hands. I think we spotted one rare drop from him last week against ULM. But other than that, you know, this guy can be guaranteed. And I think the combination of these two guys' knowledge in the scheme paired with how they kind of complement each other with different styles of play is why they've been so successful this season and will continue to be probably moving forward. 
Well, it certainly sounds that uh, those two guys are a former safety's worst na- nightmare, Caden. Uh, Robert Lewis to Leak Williams on the other side for Georgia State. Lewis missed most of last year with injury. Williams had just 14 catches for less than 200 yards prior to this season. Caden, this year, Lewis has been the big play threat to replace Jamari Thrash. Williams is averaging close to 18 yards per catch. They aren't breakout candidates anymore, Caden. These are bona fide stars in the Sun Belt. Yeah, no, and just going back to my playing days, this duo is actually more of a nightmare for a guy named Caden Smith than the other two. These guys are not big guys. These guys are both under five foot. Williams is only a buck seventy-seven. They both kind of have that slot receiver type of body build, but they can line up anywhere in this offense and have been extremely effective this year, whether they're out wide or in the slot. I think they both really, really benefit from this scheme. When you're playing against an offense that runs the ball as much as they do and they feed Marcus Carroll religiously, you have Darren Granger who's also going to get involved in the run game. When you're on that back end, you can get a little distracted. You can get lulled to sleep by this run game. And the next thing you know, you have these two guys in Lewis and Williams running free, running by you and running into the end zone. So I have to give a huge shout out to them for being very adaptable within this scheme. They can line up just about anywhere like the other two. They always seem to be in the right place in the right time. And I think both of them have really gotten proficient at being there for Darren Granger in underneath routes and short intermediate routes. They do a great job of putting their back to these defensive backs, getting the ball and getting upfield and continuing to move these chains for the offense. And then just when you kind of get, again, lost in that quick game, kind of get dinked and dunked a little bit by Darren Granger, you get hit with a, a deep ball and these guys are running by you for a touchdown. So I think both of these guys, their speed is huge. They benefit from that run game. They're both really good at getting separation from wideouts and one-on-one coverage. And I think Darren Granger, we thought maybe he could take a step back without with losing Jamari Thrash, but it looks like he kind of traded him for two now elite receivers who he knows he can rely on on an every down basis. Definitely a tantalizing wide receiver matchup. If you want to learn a little bit more about this matchup, go back, listen to episode 112. We sat down, talked with Georgia Southern wide receiver Caleb Hood uh, in week two of the season. Definitely worth a listen ahead of tonight's game. Caden, another fascinating matchup. It's the linebacker cores versus the RB1s for both teams. You've got Jalen White versus Marcus Carroll. You've got Stars like Marcus Watson, Trent, Kadri Jackson, Justin Abraham, and John Che Hunter at linebacker. Let's start with the running backs, Caden. Marcus Carroll, the obvious headliner. He's seventh in touchdowns, fifth in yards, third in per game average. That's in the NCAA, not the Sun Belt. Jalen White is putting up huge numbers again this year. He's coming off that career high 164 yard and two touchdown game versus ULM last weekend. Georgia Southern also has OJ Arnold, who's having a big year. Caden, this game is loaded with elite running backs. Yeah, and it's interesting because they're all very elite, but they all kind of have different styles and get to their games and their success in different ways. You start with Marcus Carroll, who we've talked about in length, it feels like on this podcast, just for his consistency, his combination of size and speed, his ability to get into that second and third level and just really kind of be, like we mentioned, the combination of Jemias Williams and Tucker Gregg from last year mashed into one. He's their bell cow. He's going to get a ton of carries in this game. He's going to look to wear on this defensive front through all of those carries. And ultimately, kind of like we've talked about with Marshall and Rasheen Ali in the past, this is a guy that's going to throw that last punch from the first quarter to the fourth quarter and really make it hard for your defensive front, middle, and back when he gets to that level. So I think they know what to expect as far as getting a ton of Marcus Carroll in this game, getting him involved often. But I think when you look at the flip side, Jalen White and now O.J. Arnold, who's really come into the fold as someone who gets just as many touches, just as many opportunities. These are guys that benefit from the pass game being 
the the headliner of this offense. We saw against ULM, they clearly liked the matchup they had in the run game, and they were giving these guys a heavy dose, dose of touches. And as a result, they were being very successful, especially in that first half. But this Georgia State run defense is a little bit more stout. I don't expect both of these guys to get nearly as many touches in this game, but I do expect them when maybe they do have them on the ropes a little bit. When you see the defense kind of get used to and accustomed to having to prepare for the pass game, that's when you see Jalen White get hit. That's when you see OJ Arnold get hit. Both of them are a lot more effective in the pass game as well compared to a Marcus Carroll. So I would look to them for them to have a bigger impact maybe in the pass game and the run game in this one. But nonetheless, anyone who's playing in that box interior area is going to have to have their sights set on whatever running back they're facing. Yeah, and Kane, the reason for that, these two backs or these backs in this game all averaging over six yards per carry right now, they've all shown the ability to kind of get to that second level. Caden, MWT, he's put up 71 tackles already this year. Hunter and Abraham have combined for 100 tackles uh, on the season. Kane, both of these defenses are top five at stopping the run. Why are the linebackers so critical to doing that in this game? It's definitely going to be a big task for both of these linebacking cores heading into this matchup, and I think they definitely have a big key as far as their ability to stop these running backs. When you start with Georgia Southern, we know this is a defense that has improved. We've seen Marcus Watson, Trent, and Kadri Jackson both really take to this new defensive scheme and be very successful. I think they're going to have their look to have a big bounce back game in this one because we remember last year, Jamias Williams ran for 129 yards against them and Tucker Gregg had 111, three touchdowns total between those two. So I expect those guys to kind of give their full effort and attention to Marcus Carroll and try to stifle him in this one. And on the flip side, when you look at Georgia State, we've talked about the depth they have at this position group. I mean, Justin Abraham and John Trey Hunter have been having an amazing season to the point where Jordan Benziel, a guy who's started a ton of games for these guys is a backup who gets reps in in there we see Kevin Swick get moved around as well Shamar McCollum as well they have a ton of versatile linebackers that can do a lot and because of the amazing play they've been getting from their defensive line this season the run fits have been super easy for these guys they've been able to play downhill and really be effective more effective than we've seen Georgia Southern be this season so I expect the Georgia State defensive front to really dictate the pace of this one when it comes to the run gaming and be able to stop things on Georgia Southern side. They're probably going to have more responsibility in the pass game in this one. And on the flip side, look for this Georgia Southern team, I think, to look to get some revenge and hopefully stop the run a little bit better than they did last season. Yeah, big matchup uh, for sure between uh, these two rivals. Caden, let's name some X factors. And honestly, I've got to toot our own horn a little bit. I look back over the last couple of weeks and we've done a nice job of picking some guys. I had Jalen Walker last week. He had a big game against Marshall. Who's your X-Factor player for Georgia State in this game? For Georgia State, I'm going with cornerback Gavin Pringle. He leads this team at interceptions right now with three. He obviously had the big game winner to close out the game and really seal the deal in their win against Louisiana last week. And we know quarterback Davis Brin for Georgia Southern, like this quarterbacks will be in this offense to have a tendency to throw some, some interceptions and have some turnovers. So I think Gavin, along with Bryce Keese Brown, are going to have a big responsibility as far as trying to contain these wideouts. They could just watch the James Madison film and get a masterclass of how to do that. So I think they'll implement a lot of those techniques. But I think if Gavin specifically can get his hands on another in- interception this week, it could have a big impact on getting the ball back to his offense and keeping it away from Davis Brennan, the Georgia Southern Eagles. So I'm going with Gavin Prickle, the defensive back. Well, Caden, I'm about to do your former defensive heart a little bit of good here because uh, I've got Demel Hickman. Uh, a couple of defensive backs are our X factors. He was, you know, a huge addition to this Georgia Southern defense this offseason. He's a true lockdown type of defender. Caden, he's coming off of three pass breakups versus ULM. And you might remember back the last time they played under the lights at Paulson versus Coastal Carolina, he came up with that big interception off of Grayson McCall. We mentioned how good this GSU receiving core is. They're going to need a big play or two from the secondary. I think Hickman kind of a likely candidate in this one. 
Kane, let's make some quicks or some picks rather real quickly. Georgia Southern, two and a half point favorite over under at 62. How are you leaning in this matchup? Yeah, no, I've been riding with the uh, the Georgia State for quite a while now. The back-to-back weeks, they were not favored. Have to pick them again, have to keep riding the train. So I'm going with Georgia State to win and cover in this one. I think you just have to go with the consistency you've seen from the Panthers this year on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Georgia Southern's defense has improved, but I think they haven't improved to the level where I think they can really slow down this Georgia State offense, the experience attack. They have the best running back quarterback duo in the league right now. And I think when you look at the wins they have on the road against Louisiana, on the road against Coastal Carolina, I have no doubt that they can go into Paulson Stadium on another big stage and do it again. So give me Georgia State to win. Give me them to cover as a result. I'm taking the over on the points. I think both of these teams are going to have to run it up in this one to win. Well, Kane, this is certainly a a rare occasion on the Freire and Smith podcast. Big matchup where we both agree. I'm taking Georgia State as well. Here's why. Georgia State, they've won three games in a row in this series uh, heading into the year. Statesboro, Kane, as you mentioned, it's a hard place to play, but Georgia State's 3-1 and all-time in Paulson. This year, Georgia State, I feel like they've had the better formula. They have the more dynamic quarterback. Carroll has been such a consistent force. I think this one's coming down to a few big plays, and I like Georgia State. I feel like they've shown up better in big games this year. Give me Georgia State to win by a touchdown, and with the offense these two teams have, Caden, it's probably not wise to take the under in this matchup at 62. That's it for this episode. We really appreciate you joining us today. If you enjoyed this show, here's one thing you can do for us. Share this show with one, maybe two of your Sunbelt friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow this podcast. We hope everyone enjoys the game tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.